Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. As we wrap up January and look back, not a bad month to start the year. For a variety of asset classes, stocks, metals, crypto, you name it, they've all had a solid start to the year. But the big question is, will the comeback continue? And how to play it all? I'm Andy Gersher, and this is Games. All right, let's bring on Bill Uliveri, owner of Cynical Capital Management in Glenview, Check out their website, cynicalcapital.com. That's C-E-N-A-C-L-E, capital.com. Bill, always great to have you on the Gaines podcast. Andy, great to be with you. It's so much fun talking about everything related to uh, you know, crypto or the market, dividend-paying stocks, whatever you want to chat about. I, I, they're all really fun things to, to cover. Well, and it's been an exciting January for a lot of the areas that you were talking about, crypto, just to kind of recap, the last time I had you on, we went with the, uh, and we'll start there. We'll we'll start with crypto and then talk markets. The last time we had you on, million dollar Bitcoin forecast. Bitcoin at the time of the taping was about sixteen thousand and change. Bitcoin, crypto at large, it's had a pretty good start to the uh, the beginning of the year. And let's start there, uh, Bill, just your thoughts on, on crypto and just growth at the beginning of the year here. Well, it's really interesting. You know, as an investment advisor, I think um, I can't speak for many other advisors, but I think many also feel the same way I do. And that is we kind of wait to see what the first month does before we commit to the next 11 months. And so it's very interesting. Today is, you know, the 31st of January, 2023, and we have value as an asset class is up about 9.25% growth, which is what I would consider Bitcoin in uh, as a technology is up only 2.27% year to date, S&P 500 up 4.64. But Bitcoin year to date, just in the last month is up 38.2%. I find that really interesting that there's this divergence between growth and Bitcoin, right? And so I love divergences. I love paradoxes. Uh, we have long-term bonds up 6.79%. Metals up 13.3%. Uh, the, the, the S&P 500 metals and mining ETF. So we're just seeing, I think, a little bit of a rebound here because, Andy, you know as well as I do just how crushed these asset classes were in 2022. I mean, without a, without there was not one survivor that I can think of in 2022. Copper, lumber, platinum, gold, corn, soybeans, natural gas, like Bitcoin, Tesla, like everything just 
got smoked. But there is a silver lining. As you mentioned, a lot of that stuff that had gotten smoked has come back off of those lows. Not not not, not that we're saying it's going to continue from here, but I find it really interesting. You know, you mentioned copper. Well, I, I mean, copper's turned around. We've talked about how metals we thought have kind of lagged throughout all the geopolitical and economic conditions that you would have thought would be ripe for precious metals to go higher. Gold and silver are starting to be on the move as well. And then Bitcoin and crypto. So for as bad as 2022 was, 2023 is starting off on 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 a good note. And again, you know, we've talked about dollar cost averaging here at these lows. You got to think a bulk of the damage has been done and just getting at these levels is going to be a good thing long term. Right, right. And and I think, you know, Andy, the older I get, the more I appreciate this concept of balance in the market. So 2019, at the end of 2019, things were starting to slow down a little bit, but we, the market, investors and the industry was very positive on how the market was going to do in 2020. As a matter of fact, in January, Barron's produced a cover article saying, are we going to go to, you know, 38,000 or 39,000 in the Dow, something like that. And what happened? We had COVID, the pandemic, global shutdown, market fell, you know, to the pandemic levels. The low was put in somewhere around March or April of 2020. And it looked like the end of the world was going to happen. Bitcoin got down to about $4,500 a token. Then during the liquidity, uh, flush of liquidity that, you know, globally, the markets put into the to the economy to save things, right? This to save the sinking ship. We saw Bitcoin go, go from forty five hundred to sixty thousand. We saw QQQs in the S and P five hundred incredible rates of return. Bond market up huge, and you know, from March twenty twenty until say mid to late twenty twenty one, and maybe even into mid twenty twenty two. And then what happened? We had we, we reached the peak, you know, Tesla, Amazon, Apple, Facebook, I'm sorry, Meta, Google, everything again down between twenty and fifty-seven percent. And that was just on the, the high end of the range. We had companies like Peloton, DocuSign, Zoom. They were down major, major, major numbers in twenty twenty two. It was it, I've never seen a liquidation in the tech industry ever like that except in, you know, two thousand and one to two thousand and three, say. And so what do we have happening here? We have the market now rebounding and rebalancing, trying to find some kind of equilibrium now in 2023. You know, we've got, we have cryptocurrencies doing really well with, you know, Bitcoin up 38, 39%, Decentraland up 153%, uh, Fetch, which is a cryptocurrency up 189 we have Solana, which everybody thought was going to zero because of the FTX event. That's up 140% already in 2023. And again, Audius, Celsius Network. I mean, I could go through 200 cryptocurrencies and tell you that there's of, of 230 I'm looking at, only about four are down year to date. And I know it's only been a month, right? A month doesn't make a trend. But I'm very excited about what I see in terms of the technology side and especially of crypto. Uh, rebalancing and again finding balance that was maybe taken away from 2022. And I don't mean this just for crypto. I mean this for I mean this for the bond market as well. U.S. Treasury 30-year uh, yield index dropped 7.92% in 2023 just this month. The 30-year I'm sorry the 30-year is down 7.92. The 10-year is down 8.46%. Natural gas 
you know, down 40% year to date, one month. So I don't know, Andy, I just think we're going to see balance again in 2023. This goes across every single asset class you and I have ever talked about. Things have switched over in a really big way, and you you cited that. We went from, like, the punch bowl and easy money and, you know, low, super low interest rates, historically low interest rates, to more of a normalcy. And then you're always going to have market disruption when you're making that move. So I guess the most important thing is what's next and what what do you see and how are you playing it? Well, what I see happening are a couple of really interesting things. And one is I see emerging markets for the first time since 2010 begin to exert its authority over our U.S. domestic market. I find that really, really interesting. I also see consumer staples, you know, the, the food, uh, you know, automobiles, wash and dryer, the durables that we think that we need, and we do need, right, on a monthly basis, where the dis- consumer discretionary was down 40%, I think, from peak to trough. So I'm beginning to see a little bit of money move into the discretionary side away from the consumer staple side. So away from defense to offense, from risk off to risk on. That's what I see. Is this the start of something really brewing? I mean, do we just then take off from here versus doing a retest or experiencing some sort of downside? I don't think we're going to retest our lows. I think the lows were kind of put in from June to October. I think maybe the October sell-off could have been the retest. But again, you, you know, you don't really know. We're just we're, we're kind of guessing here. But again, take a look at a point and figure chart or a long-term chart. And you could make a case that what we saw happen in the in, in the summer of 2022, we put in a low in the S&P 500 around 3620. We rallied to 4300, sold off and made a new low to like 34 and change, 35 and change um, in, in, in the fall, rallied back up to recently, you know, 4100, sold off to 3800. Now we're back up testing the 4100, 4120. So it kind of looks like a, a, head and sh- like a, a head and shoulders bottom in 2022. I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying that's what it looks like. And on one hand, I love looking at charts, uh, but I also have to respect, you know, 101 other indicators and things that I see. You like the the Dow theory. I mean, and I appreciate that. In fact, we'll talk about the Dow theory amongst other things. When we get back, we got to take a quick break. Hey, be sure to subscribe, follow, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if that's an option for you. And as always, subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new Gains episode drops. We'll be back with Bill Uliveri right after the break. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Back with Bill Uliveri, owner of Seneca Capital Management in Glenview. And be sure to check out the website, SenecaCapital.com. That's C E N. A-C-L-E capital.com. Right as we were heading into break, Bill, you had mentioned the Dow theory. You know, I've talked about this a number of times on the Gaines podcast. I'm a big believer in the Dow theory. And um, my play right now is I'm dollar cost averaging 
into Bitcoin and Ethereum, have been doing that at these lower levels. So impressed with Meta and VR and AR technology. Love Meta long term. I'm also dollar cost averaging into Meta right now as we speak. I've been doing that the last couple of months. Still got a ton of dry powder. And, you know, you talked about the Dow theory. It is still bearish, though we're getting pretty close to maybe having it turn to the bullish camp. And that's what I'm waiting for is uh, before I start really deploying any more capital is to wait and see what the Dow theory uh, says, if it gives us the all clear sign or if it goes and retests those lows. So that's kind of what I'm looking at. What is your play right now? I mean, are you in here buying? I guess that's the big question. And and if you are, what what are you buying right now? Well, for our clients, and again, we have basically three bins that we manage assets for. We have people that are interested in only dividend income strategy. These are retired people looking for a yield of between four and a half and seven and a half percent, and they would like a little bit of a growth component. Then we have those investors that are, they're virtually all in, like on a scale of one to 10, they're invested at a seven or eight in terms of risk, in terms of aggressiveness. Then we have those clients that are more middle of the road. They're kind of like a 60-40 portfolio or 65-35. Every single client has a little bit, you know, three or 4% of Bitcoin via some of the exchange traded funds and closed end funds that are available. But having said that, Andy, I have to respect this 12-year signal of emerging markets versus our markets. And I'm concerned about that because, you know, you may remember maybe when we first met, you know, 10, 11 years ago, that we were just wrapping up something called the lost decade. The S&P 500 and NASDAQ really didn't go anywhere from roughly 1996 to 1998 to like 2010. It was actually the lost decade was more like 14 years rather than 10 years. And go ahead, take a look at a, at a long-term chart of the S&P. And the S&P was pretty much unchanged up and down, you know, plus or minus 7 to 10% over 14 years. But then emerging markets was up like 280%. When the QQQ turned positive with respect to emerging markets from 2010 until, say, 2022, 12 years, the Qs were up 450%. Emerging markets over the course of 12 years was like down 4 so that's really interesting. That's a profound rate of return difference over the course of, you know, 1998 until 2022. I mean, it's a massive shift in where money is placed. So I have to be aware of that. I'm slowly on the rallies of the Qs, going to be selling some of the QQQ and buying emerging markets, right? And we're doing that through, and there's only a handful of emerging market ETFs. And one of them is EEM. I mean, it's one of the, one of the main staples, and you know, I generally don't like to mention stock symbols per se because there are different ways of playing country ETFs. Um, but the the emerging markets ETF that's offered by iShares symbol EEM, I think looks interesting. And again, very sidewaysy. It's trading the same place now as it was in 2012, 2013. So now the question I have to ask myself, Andy, is. Will EEM stay in a trading range between, say, 53 and 54 and to the high side and to the downside 32? Or is this the year after 12 years it breaks out and just takes off, right? So what kind of exposure? That's sure. the, that, again, the ticker EEM 
Edward yeah. Edward Mary. That's the iShares MSCI Emerging Markets ETF. What kind of exposure is in that particular ETF? I mean, like you said, there's a, a bunch of vehicles that give you exposure into a variety of areas. What kind of exposure are you getting through that EEM uh, ETF? Well, that's, that's that's again, that's a great uh, a great question, uh, Andy. So, primarily, the EEM is still like twenty seven and a half percent technology, seventeen percent financials, sixteen percent consumer cyclicals, eight to nine percent of basic materials compared to say QQQ, right? But the makeup is twenty three and a half percent Hong Kong, sixteen point nine seven percent Taiwan, thirteen percent South Korea. 12.5% India, 4% Brazil, 4% China, 3% South Africa, 3% Asia Pacific, Russia, Saudi Arabia, Mexico, Thailand, Indonesia, Malaysia, Poland, Philippines, Chile, Greece, like everything that's not U.S. So and you really so do I, get a lot of uh, true emerging market uh, exposure there. Uh, looks looks yes. like it does tilt a little bit to the Asia side. So, you know, you and I were, again, we're long been in this business long enough to remember pigs, Portugal, Italy, Greece, Spain. We remember uh, BRIC, Brazil, Russia, India, China. Like we always have these little four-letter symbols, and I don't think one has emerged yet recently for this shift. But I do find it interesting that, again, we have a, 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 this what could be, could be a profound shift in where asset managers put money because maybe there's something more to the U.S. economy that you and I are missing. Like maybe technology ran its course and that incredible rally during the pandemic to the pin popping the bubble. And we saw, again, carnage all over technology of, of biblical proportions. Maybe now it's just time where people are like, okay, let's go to emerging markets. That seems to be where we need to put assets. Talk about how tech has been decimated. You also now... Uh, you're seeing the follow through with, I mean, a ton of companies have been laying workers off as well. And that's part of them working through this process. I'm with you. Maybe it's just the shift of, you know, there's really true value in emerging markets. Let's, for the time being, uh, put our capital there. Well, you know, I know that the last shoe to drop by the Federal Reserve is that like all the raw materials, all the commodity inflation index things are down huge. But one thing that's not down huge is labor. And what is technology's biggest expense? It's labor. Labor, right? exactly. It's not brick and mortar. It's not office building. It's not real estate investment trust. It's not property. It's labor. And so the question I have to ask myself is, where are companies going to go to get cheap labor, at least for the time being? Oh, that's a great maybe, point. India, Brazil. Is, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm, no, no, you're fine. I'm just saying maybe we don't know why. I just know what is. Like, I don't care what the why is. I just know what is. And I cannot ignore this trading signal of, again, 10, 12-year proportion where emerging market is beginning to look stronger than U.S. And I, I find that really interesting. And I, I have to – and, again, I'm not saying I'm selling all my client assets and moving in emerging markets. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that this is a tactical shift where – we are not going to be just blindly rebalancing the QQQ and S&P 500. We have to take consumer discretionary in this space in place. We have to look at maybe some high yield corporate. We have to look at, again, at emerging markets. So it's not as, as Cartesian as I would like it. It seems to be a little bit more um, 
like a, a like a buffet where you have to pick and choose the things that you like in an otherwise uh, quote-unquote non-standard portfolio. Does that well, make sense? Yes, yes. But you still have to be um, – I mean, you're actually managing people's money and they rely on you, unlike yes. a degenerate like myself – you know, we, I have the safe portfolio, but the stuff that we talk about the, on the Gains podcast is those degenerate trades that we get in on. When I, when I look at how my my belief system, right, and, and compared to other advisors, I still talk to many, many advisors that think owning Bitcoin is completely ridiculous, right? And, and you and I kind of see a different value proposition in terms of the technology of Bitcoin and blockchain. So there's always a, like a three or four percent position in that for my clients. In terms of degenerate, listen, just because I run a an investment advisory firm, I've got clients that are retired and elderly, and I have people that are young and trying to grow a portfolio. And of my of my entire book of business, about four percent are degenerates like us. <laughs> they say, God love if them. Anything, if you see anything out there. Let me know what you and, and I'll make a decision, right? So, I advise them without charge on their assets held outside of my uh, limited discretionary authority, and they trust me to make decisions for their own portfolio. Whether it's a dividend-paying stock, it's a gas utility, electric utility, or I'll say, hey, did you see these cryptocurrencies this week? Do you see that they're all up thirty-eight percent? And we have a great conversation because they, we philosophically resonate with each other. We both see what blockchain is. We both see and follow the headlines for PayPal, MasterCard, JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs, BlackRock, Fidelity. We're all watching what's going on, and we, and we get it, right? At least I believe that we get it. This is not going away. And to be able to monetize that, I mean, if there's ever an asset class that's been beaten down, it's like the micro strategies and uh, signature Silvergate Bank, right? The ones that were involved in uh, in the cryptocurrency world, like these things are down huge, and it's just a conversation. My clients can do whatever they want with their assets. They can hire me. They can fire me. They can do whatever they want. But I'm saying, you know, Silvergate uh, Bank trading fourteen dollars a share. The high was like two hundred and change, like during. What am I talking about? It's almost three hundred dollars a share during during COVID. Two hundred and forty dollars a share peak. Now it's trading fourteen. Right? That's a bank stock that's down massively. Have I included that into the portfolio? No, not yet. But I'm looking at it because again, here is Silvergate Capital. Has I would call it blockchain friendly, and let's just see how it goes. Even Signature Bank had, uh, I think, a friendly attitude. Let me I have to pull that one up again. Not no signature. I'm sorry, signature bank. I think they were friendly to to cryptocurrency. That that was symbol SBNY. Let's take a look at how that thing is doing. How's their performance? So their high. I'm looking at it right now. So just give me a second. Their high was $372 a share during the pandemic. Now it's trading 128. So that again is another banking stock that yields 2.2 percent down massively from the highs in 2020 2021. Down 25% this year. You said since since the beginning of this year, 2023. Since, since the beginning of this year, yeah. yeah. I mean, Citigroup is down. Right? Let, we, let, we can, let's throw this into the bin of, and I can do that in like five minutes, but Silvergate's down 88% from its high. Well, what does that mean? I'm not sure. Was it too much exposure to crypto? Was it exposure to FTX? 
Did they lend? Did they use it as collateral? I'm not sure yet, Andy. I'm just saying there are little pockets of speculative places degenerates can go. And there's not that much else out there when I look at all my sectors, my 40 S&P sectors. So it is a totally different animal, though. In fact, I was chatting with somebody in the hall today in the station, somebody else who uh, one of our engineers who actually trades and made money on crypto and stocks. He's actually quite good at it. And we were just talking about how, boy, a year and a half ago, we were just on our phones constantly, even throughout the day, just watching all the activity. It, it is a completely different animal. People were actively trading a lot more a year and a half ago. They've kind of lost interest because obviously they've get, gotten taken to the shed. It's just, you know, it's not, you know, you don't see the activity, quite the uh, the hype that was there before. And uh, usually when a lot of people lose interest and turn away, that's when you, when you should go in and, and start picking the bones on the bottom. Sure. Well, you know, it's easier said than done, right? Yeah, right. Andy, all right. But uh, again, you know, investing is both fundamental, you know, looking at numbers, PE ratios. It's technical. Let's take a look at some charts. Let's see if we're breaching or breaking, you know, previous lows or previous highs. And it's, but it's all wrapped it up into an emotional behavior, right? So when emotions run high and are peaking, you know, you have to let a couple of chips off the table when emotions look horrible and there's blood in the streets, as they like to say, then maybe it's time to, you know, add a few, add a few percentage points to the bottom line. Well, and, 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 we and as buy. they say, when there's blood in the streets, that's when you actually buy, even if it's your own blood. Even if it's your own blood. And again, it's so much easier to say than when you're actually living through it. But again, I, I was lived through the crash of 87, mini crash of 89. And we can talk about every crisis that happens every two years in the market. So I don't mean to be flippant. I'm just saying that I think I'm, I, I see it now for what it is. And it's way easier for me to buy the lower, you know, I buy the sell off and the declines and it's easier for me to sell the rallies. Uh, it's not, it's still not that easy for my clients to have the conversation with me, but they trust me enough as any client does with their advisor. It could be me or it could be the other 25,000 investment advisors out there. You are trusting them to look at data, to make a decision, to pick a spot, and to execute. My clients pay me to execute, right, because they're afraid to do it themselves. And it's okay. It's all good, right? I'm not, I'm not disparaging them. I'm just saying that's the relationship that we have with our clients. Well, it's about being a psychologist as, as much as anything. You're absolutely right. So, again, we, I look at hundreds of, uh, of oh, maybe 150, 200 150 different asset classes, emerging markets, precious metals, basic material, equal weighted, equal weighted assets, you know, cap weighted. And it's just, this is what the, this is the creative, enjoyable part of the business. This is the part that I love, right? Looking at overbought, oversold figures. Um, and so this is just, this is what we signed up for, right? And, and we have to do the best that we can. And as they like to say, as FINRA requires all investment advisors to state, and that is, you know, past performance, you know, future performance is no indication of, uh, I'm really messing that up. Past performance is no indication of future return, no guarantee of future return. And we know that, right? We know how crazy and narcissistic the market is, how unreliable in what a, um, what an incredible uh, mate that we have chosen to be with, right? In this business. And, but we wouldn't change it for anything in the world. 
Oh, yeah. And so now the idea is to watch Japan, watch China, watch emerging markets, watch Asia, watch Africa, watch South America, and just see how this puzzle is going to reveal itself. Great conversation today. And we've talked emerging markets look attractive. It looks like crypto is starting to turn around. What's your takeaway uh, today from our conversation, Bill? So being an investment advisor, being a, a successful investor or speculator, you have to have enough humility to say, you know what? I don't know. And it doesn't mean that you're a bad advisor. It doesn't mean you're a bad investor. It doesn't mean you're a bad speculator. It just means that not everybody knows everything. And we all have financial news feeds. We're looking at LinkedIn, Bloomberg, um, you know, a, a dozen more news feeds. And the truth is there's people who speak with great certainty, but nobody really knows 100% for sure. And we do the best we can. We stay diversified. We stay safe. So, Listen, I guess my takeaway, the, the short story is it's okay not to know. You know, you don't bet the whole ranch on one asset class. Stay diversified. Live to fight another day. And if you're right, then the returns are and the rewards are just amazing. Uh, and, and, and it doesn't take much. You know, a little bit of to value, a little bit to growth, a little bit to natural gas. Like, you know, just diversify and put your portfolio together the way you see it. And and Put on the trade, manage the risk. That's all I can really say. Oh, I love that. And just recap that again. Put on the trade, manage the risk. You often say that. There's paralysis by analysis. And it was one of the biggest issues on the trading floor where guys could not open up their mouth and make a trade. They were too scared to trade because they were afraid they were going to lose money. And I would tell them, just do one. Buy one option. Sell one option. Do one of something, right? And release the vocal cords. Get out there and do it, right? Put on a trade, manage the risk. And that was taught to me by my mentors and the people that backed me in the 80s. And it was so true because anytime I hurt my own portfolio is because I got cocky and I didn't manage the risk. And it took me a long time to learn that lesson, but it's a lesson that stays with me today. Put on the trade, manage the risk. And that's time-tested advice from Bill Uliveri, owner of Senecal Capital Management in Glenview, and be sure to check out the website, senecalcapital.com. That's C-E-N-A-C-L-E, capital.com. Hey, be sure to subscribe, follow, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if that's an option for you. And as always, subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new Gains episode drops. We are back next Wednesday morning, and I look forward to seeing you then. On News Radio, WBB. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. 
Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 